Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, friends. It is time for I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast, wherein two mid-40s curmudgeons muse, hopefully open-mindedly, about their impending or perhaps already arrived entertainment irrelevance. I am one of your co-hosts, 50% of your co-hosting team. My name is Noah Tarno. I am the founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And with me this time and every time, say hello, my friend. I'm 48% of your uh, co-hosting combination. <laughs> don't answer me where the other 2% went. My name is Bill. You don't, you don't want to know. You don't yeah. know. My name is Bill Scary. I am the founder, proprietor, and chief uh, sawyer of a, a thing called American Caesar Enterprises, which, Noah, this week is a homeopathy concern dedicated to the health of just specifically a Green Bay Packers quarterback. Is that, are you talking about Aaron Rodgers? I am, in fact, yes. I, that, I, that will I date so the little show. About, right. I, I know so little. Talk about dated. I know so little about football. I just heard his name, and, you know, he was one of the Jeopardy guest hosts. And the story I heard, is this accurate? He got COVID. He had said he was vaxxed, and then he got COVID, and after he got COVID, he revealed he wasn't vaxxed. He lied about it. Is that it? He said he got immunized. And he. the thing is, now people yeah, are yeah. using immunized in quotes because what he was given was a homeopathic series uh, of drugs by his own personal physician. Ah, uh, I see. Well, I will tell you this. Um, friend of the show, Alice Swenson, who is a physician, she actually is very careful to not talk about the COVID vaccine. She talks about COVID immunization because strictly speaking, folks, the the vaccine we have hopefully all taken is not a vaccine. It does not operate by the traditional vaccine process, which is give you a very tiny bit of no. the the virulent, you know, of the disease to stimulate the uh, immune system without actually giving you the disease. Uh, this is a whole different process. I don't know the details. So technically speaking, this is not a vaccine. I'm going to call it a vaccine anyway. So it is accurate to say immunized, Bill, is my point. But yes. I guess what this guy did is completely inactive. Yeah, it's not good. He's an idiot. And of course, you know, you, yeah. In, no. in, ret- in retrospect, I was going to say, how are you going yeah. to compete, compete with Mike Richards for Shittiest Jeopardy host in 2021? It's like, well, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, a couple of weeks stint, yeah. Yeah. Is, well, is showing you know. uh, competition for Mike Richards yeah. in terms of personal I guess, shittiness. I, it, too bad there isn't someone who's been hosting trivia shows for you know 20 years who they could they could bring into this role. But I'm not bitter. Um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> you learned so much about me on this show. Uh, All right, so uh, here's what this show's about if you've never listened before. We look at something that's hot, that's relatively new, that the kids are into or people younger than us, and we try to make sense of it. We sample it. We try to figure out what it's all about. And, um, you know, Bill, this is an idea we were kicking around for a few weeks, and then we took a few weeks off. So you could argue we missed the boat on this, but I don't think we did. I don't think it's too late. We are talking about the hottest televisual program of the past couple months. We are talking about the... South Korean imports, Squid Game. Welcome it's to Squid Game. It's you and me, game. baby, Squid Game. Game. I can't take can't it take anymore. Take it anymore. No more Squid Games. All right. So uh, we got in a big foreigner debate before. So so that we're parroting head games. Bill loves that song. I hate that song. Yeah. I love Jukebox Hero. You hate Jukebox Yeah, I know. We may never see the center of this. This is it. Right. It's, well, it's, a, it's okay. a fissure. What do you think it feels like a fir- feels like the first time? Uh, it's okay, not my favorite. Ah, oh, it's awesome. 
So yeah. what's your favorite Foreigner song? Oh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the 80s Lou Graham stuff. I want to know what love is. and um, you know. I agree. I want to know what love is is a beautiful song. It's great. Brilliant. It's just, it's just yeah. wonderful. Terrific. Uh, Lou Graham was in the bands in the 70s too, man. I know, but I'm saying Lou Graham, I think his commercial songwriting stuff really took right. over. Uh, that's that's yeah. where you get that soft rock his, kind of thing. His solo hit, Midnight Blue, is a killer song too. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Early 80s, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. Mid-80s, mid-80s. Oh. All right. Anyway, this isn't the Foreigner cast. We're talking about Squid Game. And Squid Game, you know, it it came out in September. It has been hot. I don't think it's too late, especially last week was Halloween. And as predicted, Squid Game costumes were, were pretty popular. So if you don't know, Squid Game is a horror survival drama in the vein of, you know, several other things that have been popular in recent years. Hunger, The Hunger Games is a big one up there. Uh, apparently there's a lot of manga and anime adhering to this theme as well. And it was created, nine episodes, all written and directed by the creator, a South Korean man, 50-year-old man named Hwang Dong-hyuk. And I'm going to mangle every Korean name <laughs> that I say today, so I apologize, but I'll try. Uh, and he wrote the show, or at least sketched out the ideas in 2009. And he wasn't able to sell it to anyone until 2019, when Netflix, uh, at some point before that, they basically set up an Asian division. They wanted to have more international programming. So they said, hey, this is a Korean show. We'll pick up on this. And they bought it, greenlit it in 2019. And uh, it debuted in September, September 17th. And since then, it has been a huge hit. It has become Netflix's most watched series ever. The number one show in 90 countries. Um and basically, it tells a story. The main character is a guy named Gi-hun, who is played by a South Korean actor, who apparently pretty famous there, named Lee Jung-jae. Uh, I, think that, I think all the actors are good in this, but I think he's particularly good. Um, and it tells a story of a bunch of down-on-their-luck, you know, Gi-hun is just sort of the, the main character. But we see an ensemble of down-on-their-luck uh, people in Seoul, mostly people experiencing a lot of debt problems. Gi-hun owes a lot to basically the mob because he's a he's a scumbag and a gambler and um these people essentially volunteer to be kidnapped taken to a mysterious island where they wake up they're dressed in green tracksuits. they're being guarded by very mysterious weirdly masked guards in pink jumpsuits holding automatic weapons and they are psychologically tortured and made to compete in versions of children's games uh, mostly things that I guess are familiar to Korean children, but in a couple of cases, things that might be familiar to American American children. And the idea is they play these games, and the person who wins at the end will get 45.6 billion won, which apparently is roughly the equivalent of $40 million, U.S. dollars. And unlike the real children's games, <laughs> uh, once you are eliminated from these games, you are murdered. You are killed, usually shot by the guards and Pretty brutal uh, and bloody fashion. And we see it through the eyes of Gi-hun, but we, we meet several of the other competitors. We meet Gi-hun's crooked childhood friend, uh, a young female North Korean defector. I really like that actress. Uh, a kindly dying old man, a pitiless mobster, a Pakistani immigrant, etc. So the show has been a monster hit. And I'm going to read, I'm going to uh, quote from Wikipedia here. In South Korea, the popularity of Squid Game led to a surge of network traffic which caused SK Broadband to file a lawsuit against Netflix seeking monetary damages to pay for increased broadband usage and maintenance costs associated with the program. Okay, that is fucking bullshit, Bill. 
this idea that <laughs> you offer a service, the people use it completely legally. No one's breaking the law by watching Squid Game on the service that presumably they pay for. So you're suing people? Like, fuck, you didn't do your job, so you're suing people? Screw you. Don't worry. Right, back it'll to it'll get thrown out. Don't worry. Right. Back to Wikipedia. One of the phone numbers used in the show belonged to a private resident who reported receiving up to 4,000 calls each day from people, several of whom desired to play a real-life version of the game. Okay, so people in South Korea are just as dumb as Americans. Uh, Netflix stated they would edit the show to remove the number. Uh, and, you know, it took us a few weeks to, to get on this because we were distracted with other topics. We took a few weeks off. But we didn't really have any better ideas this week. And I finished all nine episodes on Thursday night. Bill, I believe you made it through five of the nine. I guess the second season is likely, but it's not a slam dunk because Huang has said he's not sure he wants to do it. Uh, not to give too much away, but the very end of the last episode kind of sets up a second season, but that's no guarantee. So, uh, Bill, what did you think? Five episodes in, what do you think of Squid Game? Well, before I, you know, I, I think it's really difficult to put the phenomenon to words to say that um, it's really hard to understand something that was made for $21 million by a, you know, far outpost of Netflix, which is, you know, they're seeding all these foreign markets with money looking for hits, you know, and nobody really understands how big they're going to be across the, you know, outside the region. Some things strike large, some things strike medium. Uh, but for something that was in for 21 million, it generated the equivalent of 900 million. That's just, that's tallied after six weeks. Um, you know, it's still going. I mean, it's insane how big this thing is. And, you know, my lead note for this is I am glad, Noah, that we could talk about uh, the fact that you're not going to hear a conversation about let's remake this in English with Hollywood actors. <laughs> uh, oh, no, they're remaking it in China. You know that? They're trying to remake it in China, but well, they didn't have the rights. So con- they're being sued. Yeah, Content-wise, yeah. the Chinese have embargoed yeah. this. One of the interesting things is that the Chinese, um, Netflix is shut down. You can't stream Netflix. But there is a healthy black market of discs. So people I'm are watching sure, Squid Games. Sure. Um, I mean, there's a reason. The way the Chinese are embargoing it on the kind of violence because it's going against this puritanical streak that the uh, Communist yeah. Party is putting out there right now. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, I thought like with even with Parasite, when Parasite took the Oscar two years ago, there was still this conversation over, well, maybe we should remake this in English. And luckily nah, it hasn't happened. On. No, but they did dis- they did discuss it. And, you know, Squid Game is the first truly global hit, especially something from Asia. Not that we haven't had kids watching anime and reading manga and seeing movies and bts and you know there is a lot of cultural exports from asia but i mean this to me looks so much different than just listening to bts or k, k-, k- <laughs> yeah you think you think this is different from listening to bts amazing well no, i'm saying like what is it uh, k dramas is that what they call them the uh, like the soap operas that uh, korea uh, also yeah, ex- i guess so they yeah. export these things and i was i was actually listening to an interview with the actor the actor who plays um, ali um, I think his name is Anoop uh, something or other. Yeah, the, this is the Pakistani immigrant. Right, right, right. And he was talking Apparently about- he was like the, I mean, he does a good job, but apparently he was like the one actor of Pakistani descent in Korea who spoke Korean. Yeah, they, they said, you know what? Of all the things Korea is blessed with, a healthy expat population inside the borders is not one of them. So yeah. they really, yeah, I mean, exactly. they don't have any shortage of good actors in Korea, but you are no. just finding ethnically Korean actors. I- I, I, I'm sorry, I, I'll, I'll get to this, but I think the acting top to bottom is superb. It's pretty I good. Mean, superb. It's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, one of the things about how such a small nation 
seems to have so many weird gifts. I mean, uh, we are more exposed to Korean culture now than, than, you know, because of all these different sources, because in fact, we did talk about BTS and, you know, there, there's so, there's so much of a, I mean, th th BTS was shown on, um, Times Square the other day, like there were these big banners all over Times Square for BTS. And it was like trending when I woke up in the morning because it went huge. Kids just like were celebrating this thing. I mean, it's more than just BTS in terms of K-pop. But I mean, I, I like this. I like this a lot. You know, I, I don't love it as much as, as the overheated um, phenomenon would suggest a lot of people are getting into it. But uh, I, I'm not going to pull away from it all other than I would say my one demerit. I'll lead with this is that a little bit it's, it suffers from a little bit of that Netflix bloat, even though it's nine episodes. It's structured because Netflix came on and actually they didn't just sell something that they bought. They co-produced it from info. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they greenlit it. They didn't they right. didn't buy a finished product. They so said, it, it we're going to make this show or we're going to let you we're going to let you make it. And right. So it has a lot of um, not just, you know, it's not a completely internal Korean uh, construction. There is a lot of outside interference or guidance to make a structure and a shape uh, that is primed to sell internationally. So they definitely had this idea that the show would go all over the place. So what that means is that, you know, Netflix is studied very much on that binge model where one episode gets you right into the next one. And this show almost almost engages in that kick you into the next episode at the expense of the middle of each episode to me. So far, what I've watched... Hmm. There I, is, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. There's, a, there's a sag in the middle because it kicks you into such a, a, it's a heightened a climax, uh, which, again, like... Climax into the next episode is great, but I feel like what they're doing is taking from Peter to pay Paul a little bit. It's, you know, maybe people would have a problem with this. Maybe they wouldn't. But, you know, just having seen so many of these things, I would say that to me is one of these tropes that annoys me about Netflix content. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't watch a lot of Korean movies like I do. Um, maybe they listen to the music. Maybe they... Uh, have maybe they've seen Parasite, but I mean they probably have not seen all of Chandler Park's films. Maybe they haven't seen all of Bong Joon Ho's stuff, so on and so forth. And I mean I've been into Korean movies. I'm not trying to you know uh, uh, fill my own sales here with something, but it's like I have gotten a chance to see what is different about uh, movies made in Korea that have different rhythms, that the actors are a completely separate pool of, of actors, guys we haven't seen before. You know I'm not guys. I say people we haven't seen before. And I think this is a, a revelation, a, dis a discovery for a lot of people uh, who have not heard a lot of Korean, maybe don't yeah. know what Seoul looks like. And so this is fresh. Um, there's something about that's really appealing. I could see people wanting to, um, you know, get into the, the, the freshness of it. I, you know, dare I say exoticism. There's something about that. Um, so, you know, but on the other hand, I, you know, read the Battle Royale comic and saw the movie in, mm. in 1999, which is the, you know, that was one of the precursors to this idea of let's kill everybody have you know what's the most outrageous thing we, we can have citizens kill each other almost in a shirley jackson lottery and it's yeah. like we and you, like you said hunger games tackled that hundreds of video games tackled that so the concept isn't as fresh as possible but i know a lot of people do not willingly sign up for grand guignol violence all the time this has a lot of combination of things that i can understand contribute to the phenomenon but i mean like you said the fact that these are actors we don't know um, and also it means that we don't know who's important. You know, we, if you cast Stanley Tucci, chances are they're not going to kill him by episode two, but we don't right. know who any of these actors are. So, they, well, but they set up who the important characters are. I know, are, but like, it's like, and then they, they off them at, at, at different points in terms of like, well, it plays against expectations and it creates a great, you know, when yeah, they build, yeah. when they build somebody up, I like that stuff. Um, so, you know, there, there's a, a lot going on here. 
that, uh, you know, we haven't really seen before. On the other hand, you know, this plays right into something like uh, Black Mirror. You know, that there was a moment for Black Mirror where this could almost be like a miniseries, a Black Mirror spinoff yeah. called Squid yeah. Game. Because it, it's, even some of the yeah. production values looked like some of the Black Mirror episodes. Well, large. I don't think it's... I mean, Black Mirror was supposed to be... Every episode was supposed to be point of critique about technology. Yes. And I don't think... I think technology is not the focus here at no, all. I no, mean, but, but a version the, of this story would have made sense in the 80s. You know, you, yeah. you didn't have to... You don't have to tweak that much to make this story... I mean, I think the, the capitalism critique is more more relevant today but yeah you well, could have made square game in the 80s well let right? me ask you because it's, it's interesting yeah. I, mean, I want to hear what you have to say about this because again you champion this for a couple of weeks and i you know but what what i'm really interested if you can lead by telling me what about the embedded metaphor because it, it's not just capitalism obviously i saw a metaphor for capitalism because i think that's the everyone's leading with that when they write a write-up of this whether it's new york times or uh other media venues but i mean there's there's also um Something that was obvious in the first episode, the sort of um, casually brutal stakes of childhood play, you know, like those yeah. kind of things add up to it. Even though it's not about that, it, it, it has that as one as a framework. The capitalist nightmare, you know, the abandonment of, of, of losers and victims, I put in quotes, um, you know, then, then something that's really pertinent for me now, especially at the moment we're in is the insensitivity we've developed for other people. And I mean, yeah, that, that yeah. might very well be what this is about. Is like, how do, yeah. you, how do you write off somebody's grace and humanity and just treat them as a blip or a sprite yeah. or a color form well, or something like that? But yeah. t- tell me about it, Noah. I, I mean, to address that point first, I think I think the critique is very powerful. And, and you, I, I, I wasn't able to articulate it that, that concisely as you did, that like not caring about it. I mean... It's telling that these people have volunteered for this, more or less. They don't really know what they're getting into, but they're desperate for money. Although, at one point, they do. I, I mean, sorry, we're going to give away a few things from very early episodes. They they, they leave. They're allowed to leave, and most of them come back. That's a good comment. It's a good comment. I because like because they, 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 they're tempted by the money, and life sucks, right? They're desperate. And, you know, the pitiless kind of we don't care about you, they keep saying, well, everyone volunteered to do this. Everyone volunteered to do this. And, of course, the guards are there. They're masked. They, you know, they don't answer half the questions. They just stand there and you can't see their faces, you know, until they come up to you and shoot you in the head because you you broke a cookie, you know. Um, Pitiless is a good word for it. Um, Yeah, I I think there's very little not to like here. I, I just don't see the flaws in this very well. I mean, you bring up a good point. The episodes I kind of think do drag toward the middle, um, but it's extremely well designed. It's stylish. You know, the the look is very appealing. Those those mysterious guards just have this very appealing, mysterious look. Um, it's a great thing that they, they uh, Huang, was his idea to call it Squid Game, which is a bit of a, a an intriguing kind of, you know, what does that mean title? Apparently it refers to a Korean children's game. Um but I think there's an element of what is this about? It's kind of got a weird look that draws you in. So I, I, I think it is stylish in a certain way. Uh, I think it's well shot. I think it's very well acted. It's The concept's original. It is genuinely scary. It's emotionally affecting. It's clever. And yes, it makes a very powerful critique about human nature, about capitalism. Um, my biggest problem is that it's so relentlessly grim. And you kind of have to have a strong stomach for it. I I made it through like four episodes, and then I had to stop for like two weeks. It really grinds you down. 
Yeah, because it's it's just so brutal. I mean, just brutal. They really make you feel for these people. I mean, it's partly because it's well-acted and well-written. Like, y- y- it's an ensemble, but you y- y- kind of get to know all these characters in a very kind of, I mean, they're characters who, like, five scenes and, and then they die and then you you really feel like you knew them that's just good writing a good acting good directing um i also thought the ending i'm not going to give anything away here but the very ending i said it sets up a finale and i thought that was a little weak uh sets up a, a new season i thought that was a little weak i mean i'm sure i'll watch a new season if it happens but uh i actually again not to give too much away there's a bit of a twist at the end and i liked the twist uh the concept of the twist I didn't love, but the execution of it I liked. And then beyond that twist, the setup of the new season, I wasn't thrilled with. Um, so yeah, I just I just think this is really, really good. It's just, I mean, it didn't excite me the way even Black Mirror did or some of the other TV shows we've most loved, American Vandal or Key and Peele. But it definitely intrigued me and I definitely admire it as much as I admire those things. Hey, here's, here's uh, the question for you, man. Was, yeah. Did you do dubs or subs? Oh, I watch subtitles. Uh, uh, okay, just, you know, I told yeah. you, Janice, Janice, my wife, absolutely, for the audience who doesn't know this, Janet, my wife caught on to this, I would say about two weeks ago. Uh, she subbed it. Oh, no, no, she, sorry, she dubbed it, and she watched it because she does a multi-screen experience. She watched this twice, twice through. Holy moly. She gobbled it up. She, and she's someone who needs to see depressing content. Huh? And not only that, she doesn't watch anything besides RuPaul. That's her thing. But this, it was like her diet is all the Drag Race spinoffs and this. And then she did this twice. And, now, you know, she kept having this little bit of shame whenever I would bring it up that she watched the uh, dubbed version. Because I think that, like, what the hell's the point if you're not... It, it's, it seems like a criminal act not listening to these actors who were cast and instead the voice actors. But, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out there because I'm curious how a lot of people did take this. Yeah. And that, that leads to another topic is there's a bit of a controversy out there because there are people who are claiming that the translations, both the dubbed and the subtitle versions, are not good. And they bring up specific examples where there are nuances of Korean, you know, colloquialisms and speech that aren't directly translatable. And there are several native Korean speakers, bilingual people who say that the, 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 the translators did a bad job. And then the pushback on that is that translation is a hard job. And this show, for a variety of reasons, my cat's attacking the microphone, for a variety of reasons, the show is... Uh, was especially hard and that Netflix really nobody pays translators what they're worth. So it had to have been, I don't want to say a half-assed job, but like, you know, they didn't have the resources they needed to do this accurately. Hello. Who's calling? Hello. You gave me your business card earlier. Do you wish to participate in the game? If you wish to participate, please state your name and birth date. Noah, tell me, why in at this moment, uh, at this crucial juncture, is Squid Game popular across the planet Earth? Uh, look, there's the quality breeds popularity, which I think, thankfully, is still somewhat true in our society sometimes. You know, I mean, it's always nice when cream rises to the top. Uh, I think the survival theme is popular. It has been for a while. You know, again, we referenced Hunger Games. But I, I don't want to point out the very obvious reasons why the survival theme is popular, because that's kind of depressing especially now, the last year and a half, two years, whatever. Um, I think, I said before, it's stylish, it's well-designed, so it's visually arresting. I mean, Halloween was last week. I, I mean, I, I did a virtual quiz event right before Halloween, and 
you know, everyone was dressed up online and three people were wearing uh, guard costumes with the masks. And then on Halloween, I saw multiple Squid Game costumes. I saw one, literally a, a, a toddler in arms. The mother's holding this this child, this young child, and he's wearing the, the green tracksuit, Gihun's tracksuit with the 456, number 456 on it. And I said, whoa, buddy, like you're too young for that TV show. And the mom said, oh, this is just mom having fun. So, um, you know, it's got that visual appeal. The names, I mean, they were going to call it Round Six. Like Squid Game is such a better name because it just, it's kind of, especially Americans who are kids, we didn't play anything called Squid Game. So we're like, what the hell is that? It's cryptic, yeah. It's cryptic in a very appealing way. Um, And also you said this, like Korea's having, I don't want to say a moment, Korea's having a decade. You know, there's K-pop, there's Parasite. So Americans, people worldwide are more open to, you know, I mean, there used to be such hatred of anything foreign or anything dubbed. I mean, the idiots would go, oh, I don't I don't watch foreign movies. I, I don't want to read while I'm at the movies, which is just stupid. But, you know, Korea, you attach Korean to it, and it's not necessarily hot, but it has a bit of a hook. Um, so, you know, it's got a lot of things going for it. And then, yeah, as I said, quality. So it pushes a lot of good buttons. It's got that very point of critique, which people are really, you know, especially after the pandemic, people want to talk about uh, wealth disparity and the downsides of capitalism. I mean, this is a topic that people are, people who never thought of this before, people who were really excusing capitalism, I think are, are starting to take a more critical look at it now. So this is this is a good thing at the right time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what uh, Paulie Walnut said about Korea, right? Word to the wise. Remember Pearl Harbor. That was uh, what when Tony B was complaining about his his Korean boss, right? Yeah, Kim. yeah, yeah. yeah. West Kim. Caldwell. <laughs> that was our uh, first experience with Korea and our, our personal culture. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> well, I, I took I took Taekwondo for a year and a half, so I love it. The only words I know in Korean are one to ten. Yeah. So I love it when I catch the. Hey, I know that word. He just said three. You yeah. know. So. But I mean, I yeah, I think you put everything perfectly. But let's let's not, um, I don't know, let's not ever uh, underestimate the the transgressive power of violent grand guignol theater. Oh, God. I mean, th- it is, they're... and this thing is bloody. They do not spare you. The yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah. I have I have a really a pretty good note in the next segment about about like what we did as kids to get this sort of thing. But let's just say, I mean, this spares no mercy. It offers no comfort. I mean, it, there's some baked in there. But you really have to scratch through a lot of hard scrabble stuff to get to the to the warm sort of nutritive part. You know, people are gunned down brutally, coldly, and I mean, the way I saw it from the episode one onward, it it somehow comments on the lack of human value, the the lack of value of human life, and it somehow exalts the value of human life. It has it both ways, where it gives you this idea that well, you know, people are chips or they're they're just numbers on a screen, which literally there's a giant checkerboard of people's faces. And on the other hand, you have incredibly human stories, and and, and the dichotomy of both of those things is true in this show. Uh, and again, not knowing a lot of Koreans and not having seen a shitload of Korean movies, certainly some, and not really know, I've seen a lot of actors, but I don't know who these people are. They're fresh quantities, you know, and it's it's a ta- it's a tabula rasa of wondering, um, are these people going to uh, 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 
Are they going to hew to form? The tropes that we seem to be being built, you know, is the, is the con woman truly a con woman? Is the, um, the, the, the menace oozing gangster, is he really all bad? You know, is the, 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 the busted out uh, tech guy who's just on his ass, you know, but he's brilliant. Is he really as desperate as it looks? You know, and it's like, you don't quite know with these actors what you're getting into. Exactly the little vagaries of the story they're going to tell. Um, and yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I think that for younger people, subs and foreign foreign uh, visages and foreign language is not nearly, if at all, an impediment to the the way it used to be where our parents' generations, not, not only due to a sort of holdover racism from our grandparents' generations, where I think they grew up distrusting people from the Pacific Rim just yes. because of Yes, World remember remember Koreans, remember Pearl Harbor. Right, yeah, right, exactly. our grandparents' generation. Here's, here's a stupid story, but, you know, when they were building Epcot Center at Disney World in 1980, oh, um, they took great pains not to put the Japan Pavilion next to Germany because they knew there was a lot of veterans who were still alive. Many were veterans uh -huh. still alive. But they did not want to walk right from Germany into Japan All without right. giving them a break. Yeah. You know, things as simple so as that. So they, they, they put of. Norway in between or something? Green light. Red light. <gasps> Player 324 eliminated. Dumbass got caught. Oh, by the way, I was I was texting my nephews last night because my sister, they're 17, and my sister told me they had watched it. And I said, hey, I finished it. What did you think? And they agreed. They, well, one of them liked it. One of them loved it. And they both thought the end was weak. So we didn't really get into it. Sometimes they're, 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 they're not very loquacious on text. Um, so but would you have liked this more if uh, you were watching this as a youngster? Oh, you know, man, there, there's a perfect par paradigm for this in that when we were, uh, I'd say from 1990 onwards, when we, you know, home media, after a couple of, you know, after five or six years, transitioned to DVDs by the end of the 90s, this is exactly, exactly the kind of edgiest of the edgy programming that we hunted for in, in, in the late 80s and 90s. This is the stuff of legend, right? Especially, especially because it came from Asia. There was this, this idea, which is truer then than it is now, because we've homogenized, even though we have, you know, we're, we're a world culture. But, you know, you came to expect the most boundary-pushing shit was going to come from Asia. Um, I mean, you had comics that and, and movies and anime and things that just had, you know, that kicked our cartoons asses. You know, when you were a teenager and you're looking for the next level, the graduate level stuff to get into... It, you, you look for anime. You know, you look for Really? Manga. Yeah. I feel like I didn't even know the words anime and manga. I know, but, but we did. And it's like, you know, when you graduated to Akira, You did? Really? Yeah, sure. That was super important, finding these I, things. I had no... When I, when I was a kid, I mean, certainly in the 80s, Asian stuff to me was like fucking ninja throwing stars, right? Well, but the, like, when, we, when we're, I would say, 14 to 16 years old and you're at the end of high school and to college... This, the media becomes something else. The media becomes aspirational. It's like I, I have I have no memory of anime and manga till like after college. Oh well, I mean it's it's entirely really? possible. Yeah, uh, I but mean, the, but the thing I'm is, sure it was there, and my eyes just glossed. Our over impression it, so. of stuff that came from Asia it was Japan. We're talking about Japan in this case because Japan, Korea did, Korea right, did not right. have a healthy export system. They weren't sending culture out. Uh, I, you know the yeah, idea that we, you know what you wanted was.
was a source, a font of entertainment that diverged wholly from our Western Judeo-Christian tradition. So like we assigned this thing like somehow the Japanese were going to be more like they didn't have our same, they were amoral. You know, they were yeah. anti-social. Well, they were taken over in the 80s. Remember the fear that Japan would own us right. in five years. But I mean, you, you, yeah. know, you had really transgressive sexual stuff and the co commingling of sex and violence together. And it, as if somehow it meant that the Japanese, because they weren't Judeo-Christian, had no morals or no values. You know, it's like we could assign different things from the art, you know. Um, also, you know, like I think we grew up, even though uh, it ended in 1968. No, you know, the, you know, the Hayes Code, you know what the motion picture Hayes Code yep. was. Yeah. And, yep. you know, the, the, it's hilarious to think about this. And, it, you know, from 1934 to 1968, the United States was in the thrall of the Hayes Code, which had things like you could not like if somebody was a crime, an evildoer or a criminal, they could yep. not be rewarded. They had to be yep. punished by they the end. But there was all yep. these, these cultural yeah, it was like things. The, like the Comics Code Authority. Bad guys had to go to prison at the end yes. of every comic book. Right, exactly. And it's made, like made it very hard for the Joker solo series in the mid-70s. Every issue, the Joker had to end up in jail, even though he was the protagonist. But to think... <laughs> It's ridiculous, it's but I, yeah. I just I just love the fact that you know in, in terms of uh, rewarding uh, not rewarding malefactors and transgressors and, and celebrating human life, I mean this this is a tradition that goes back I would say at least thirty years now. We're looking for the kind of art that does it. And again, I think that we this isn't so unprecedented in American Western culture. You can find stuff like this from right. us, but th I think we looked um, out in the suburbs. We looked to Asia first as the sort of graduate level class really? this kind of stuff. I mean, I guess some kids around me did, but that, that didn't occur to me. You know, maybe I, I, I probably had, I had a fair amount of xenophobia at the time. So that probably played into it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I can't see why I wouldn't like it if I were young now, because all the reasons I do like it and then add with, I'd probably be more attuned to the survival genre. You know, I've read half of the first book of the Hunger Games and seen none of the movies. I probably would have at least seen the movies. And I probably would have read some manga or seen some anime if I were a kid now. So I think the genre would be more up my alley. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine I'd be like my nephews. I'd, I'd really enjoy it. I mean, man, is it violent. But I wasn't afraid of violent stuff as a kid. I mean, I, I read some violent comic books and I liked some violent movies. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it, it – I, 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 like it the way I like it now, just maybe three degrees more. Yes, I'm broken. It's a damn shame. Yes, I gotta play the squid game. Yes, I gotta play the squid game. My only option is the squid game. Noah Tarno, tell me, is this mm -hmm. is this show a sign of the apocalypse? Well, depends what you mean a sign. I mean, in a way, yes, because this is what we're headed for. You know, as as <laughs> the wealth. I mean. People are trying to do something about it, but they're only fitfully having any success. So, I mean, look, capitalism is eating us up. I mean, I'm a, I was actually talking about this with a friend last night. I, I, I think communism is naive. I think capitalism, I mean, I'm a business owner. I think capitalism is how you make the world work. But I think government, I mean, if, if, if you had to ask me what is the number one goal of government, uh, I would, I don't know, I would say probably take care of the environment. But I, I think a big goal is to, I, I believe in heavily regulated capitalism, right? Capitalism is amoral, not immoral, amoral. People are immoral. It is, well, people can be immoral, right? So capitalism will chew people up and spit them out if let to have free reign. And it's not 
that's just the way it is. It's just with capitalism. It's not a human being. You can't expect. It's like expecting morals from a from a turtle or something. Um, I don't mean to denigrate turtles. I used to have a pet turtle. This show is pointing us to, and you know, sadly in South Korea too, and not just here. Um, it is pointing us to where capitalism, if really not regulated in a smart and effective way, this is what it can do to us. That the people who are desperate, the people who had a few bad days or made some bad choices, you know, you don't deserve to die for making a few bad choices, that they're literally going to be put in a hell world of psychological and physical torture. Um, you know, that they're going to have to play children's games for their very survival with the odds of winning, you know, extremely low. So that is possibly a sign of the apocalypse. But if we're talking about is the success of the show a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's a very good thing. I mean, Prestige TV is still with us. We've been having it for 20 years now. Like I said before, this is quality, the cream rising to the top. So that's good. This is good things about human nature. It says good things about art. You know, this guy, uh, sorry, Huang Dong-hyuk. What a talent. I, want to, I mean, part of the reason he said he's not sure about doing a second season, he's like, look, I don't want to get pigeonholed. I don't want to be the Squid Game guy. And you got to admire that. So, like, anytime there's a smart artist out there working their ass off to give us quality, all these great actors, I say hurrah. Um, and the fact that it's very, very Korean, but it's a hit all over the world. Like you said, when we were kids, the Koreanness would have gotten in the way. At best, they would have remade it for an American audience with American actors. The fact that that's not necessary and it doesn't impede its success says something about, I think, you know, broadening minds. So as a predictive thing, it's a sign of the apocalypse. As a thing in the moment, it's success. It's anti-apocalypse. It's interesting because I think that, um, you know, you, you're going to read into the fact that what became truly phenomenal across the planet in so many different languages is this thing. I mean, th this is the Quicksilver phenomenon, is this incredibly violent document, a, a sort of speculative look at how brutal uh, we are coming out of a pandemic. Um, you know, I mean, a dark moment in everybody. We just have this sort of excess mortality around us everywhere, you know. Every, you know, we're gauging, like, what what is life worth if we've just seen so much imagery of open graves? I mean, things that look very much like what you've seen in the show, coffins being stacked and shoved into incinerators, you know, like, that's actually what's happening in cities around the world, cities in America, things like that. Um, you know, and that, that, so that's what people, you know, people aren't looking at a, a uh, you know, My Little Pony series didn't blow up. It was this incredibly dark, grim thing that, that, that struck a chord with everybody at the same time. Whereas like, no matter what landman you lived on, you saw some truth in this portrayal of the world. But I do agree with you that, I mean, as a resident of the European Union, I love seeing this idea that, um, you know, culture can be experienced by everybody if you just give it a shot, even if it's in the native language and the ability to export this stuff. And again, I don't like Netflix as an entity because I think that they're coarsening a lot of stuff. They're changing the way people have viewed things and, and making entertainment more disposable than it otherwise has to be. On the other hand, they have brought this, this show Dark from Germany was a gigantic runaway hit. This show from Spain, Casa de Papel, has been a big hit. You know, they also have the Narco series, which are all done in Spanish language. They're in Mexico and they're in South America. They are creating uh, and, and propagating entertainment from other culture and exporting it in its own language, which, I mean, I love. Again, you know, I, I watch a lot of European movies and I've always watched a lot of movies from the continent here. And, I'm, you know, I love the French language. I love hearing the Dutch language. I love watching these films. Some of these incredible, you know, stuff that we haven't seen. There's, there's this um, 
like much like Korea, a small nation, but with all this stuff that's like not to be exploited, but it's ready to be seen and observed. And, you know, we thought about that way of Rome in the 1940s. You had the after the war, Rome was an incredible place to make movies and it exported all this great talent. Victoria De Sica, uh, Fellini, etc., etc. I like squid. I like squid. Bill, are you jealous of the, the, the squid game phenomenon? The, the, the squiddies, the squid. Uh, what's the term for? Encephal- There's got to be some slides. The cephies. C- the Cephes. Well, but that says like that makes it sound like the fans. Yeah, I don't know. Are you jealous of the game of the squid? Uh, it, it, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell a show. And we, we, I can't remember the last time we we talked about this, but it's like a, just on its face, this guy. I think he's four. He's in his early fifties. Fifty. 50. He's fifty. He's yeah, fifty uh, this year. Yeah. Wang Dong is in his fifty. He's fifty, and he's been at it for a while. He's been doing TV for a while, and he worked with a lot of these actors before. You know, so he's a, he's a professional in the in the in the, in the Korean Peninsula. Um, to to have Netflix again, the money cannon, this fire hose that Ted Sarandos is is shooting around the planet Earth right now, seeding these environments with stuff and it's like well you know it's enough it would have been a big success if he just got this to make inside korea and it probably would have became you know sensational in korea and you know some people would have seen it outside too because this stuff is available on netflix there's so much stuff right now on netflix from korea from the netherlands from freaking portugal you don't even know it's there and all this stuff is just hanging around inside a blizzard of content you can't find a single you know uh, you know, crystal of snow inside of a blizzard, but all this stuff is just there. So this took off, and what's amazing is that this guy is the beneficiary of this enormous thing. You know, is it partially you know a design genius? Well, I don't know. It's also a lot of luck. It's virality, but I mean, it's so. It's he seems like a pretty pure creator. The guy created this, not necessarily in a vacuum, but it's this wonderful gift. It's like, oh, you could win nine hundred million dollars off of twenty million dollars. You know, and it's like. His idea was solid enough to travel around the world that says something very good about either the times we live in or the moment yeah. he, you know, the moment that he struck. Uh, you know, it's it's good. I mean, it's so good for him. That's what makes me feel jealous of wondering what would it be like to just go crazy across the planet mm-hmm. Earth. I mean, these mm-hmm. these these phenomena are so rare and we're yeah. watching one right now. And the actors, too. I mean, apparently a lot of these actors, I don't know if they were. Uh, Lee Jong-jae apparently is a big star in Korea. Uh, he's done a ton of work. He's a familiar name. And also, I believe this role kind of cuts against what he's known at for. He's known for comedies. He's known for romantic dramas. So apparently he took the part because he's like, this is different. People don't think of him as the doom and gloom, you know, guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these actors, the the guy who plays the old guy, the old dying man. He plays Buddhist I read a funny in story. most of his movies. Well, but uh, the thing I read is that, you know, he's had a whatever career. He's a stage actor. He's done some TV, but he didn't even have an agent. And now his phone's ringing off the hook and his daughter is like fielding calls for him. So, you know, that's got to be, especially a guy like that who's probably thought he was on the tail end of his career. Like, what a nice surprise. I'm 72 and I get a huge hit. Now people are banging down my door. Like, that's got to feel like a good a good final act for him. Um, yeah, I'm totally jealous of uh, Huang because this guy did it his way. You know, he came up with this concept. Nobody wanted it for 10 years you know, I, apparently he dreamed, oh, I just wanted to be number one on Netflix for one day. And boom, it's number one on Netflix forever. I mean, I'm sure it'll be overtaken by something in a few years. It beat out Bridgerton as the most watched Netflix show ever. By the way, this show is like eight billion. I, I may, The more I think about Bridgerton <laughs> yeah, since I watched totally, it, yeah, the, more I, 
I think at the time I said it was okay, but now I fucking hate it. I think Bridgerton's it's, stupid. You know, I'm glad sorry, you, you sorry, know, Bridgerton. I'm so fans. glad you bring it up because it's like I can't believe Brid- like it was really Bridgerton and then this. What? I I don't know. Well, but reading about oh Netflix's foreign shows, they mentioned it was a modest hit. Lupin, that French show. Yes, love that show. Love that show. Can't wait for the next season. Great show. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So Huang did it his way. There's that story I said they were going to call it Round Six. And he said, no, squid game, squid game, squid game. And he won out. He got to do it his way. Apparently, they still call it round six in like Brazil and a few other countries. And what a better title. It's like, I mean, I hate to compare this. Snakes on the Plane. Like Snakes on a Plane, that was its working title. But they were actually going to give it like the most, like Flight 562, like some incredibly generic name. And people are like, fuck no, Snakes on a Plane. And while Snakes on a Plane was a, a, a hot pile of dumpster garbage, you know, the reason it became I, I most people never would have seen it. It was called Flight Five Six Two or whatever. Uh the name was the hook. And Squid Game is just such an intriguing name. So he got to do it his way and, and he was proved right. So like, fuck yeah for this guy and all these actors. God. These actors are look at their their headshots, not the way they look in the show. They're all beautiful. Yeah. The woman oh, who also, plays um Yeah, the the con woman, right? No, not well, not the con woman. I don't remember what she looks like. But the woman, the, pick, the plays, pickpocket, the pickpocket, the North Korean defector. Oh well, uh, she's a mo- Jung Ho Yan. She's a model. She's the, she's the Zendaya oh of Korea. God. You know, she's just got this big. Look at her Wikipedia photo. She's just got this big smile on her face. Oh my God, she's gorgeous, and she's a good actor. You know, it's not just a pretty face. She's a good actor. She's a great actor. So I, yeah, these people are fucking. They're they're kicking ass and taking names and show business. How can I not be jealous? Of that? So let me let me uh, pivot here, Noah, to the um, yeah. to the to the Squidian scale. Uh, of, of all the yeah. uh, the eight legs, the six. I forget how many yeah. the squid have six tentacles or eight. I forget. Uh, I, I thought I think it differs. Yeah, it might be. Well, let me look it up. The Architeuthis. Squids from space, Michael. The le- right. the deep deep sea squid fighting the uh, sperm whale, Noah, from from uh, uh, the Museum of Natural History. So tell me on the on the squid scale. Squids have ten limbs. Ten limbs. Okay. See. Ten We're limbs. Focusing there. So uh, where does this yeah. fall on our X Y Z axis? Eight legs of a uniform length. This is what LeisurePro.com says. And two longer tentacles with sucker pads for grabbing prey. I had a girlfriend once who thought squids and octopuses were the same animal. I think my new thing for the Felonian scale is going to be comparing like to like. So you know, last week when we talked about talking Sopranos. I compared it to other podcasts we had talked about. Now that we're 199 episodes in, whatever. 199, my friend, the big time. All right. So next week will be a big one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to p- compare this to TV shows. So a TV show we both loved was American Vandal, uh, which I think is a cut above this for a few reasons. Partly just it's a little more to my taste. Yeah, humor. I, I get that. Right. But I think Squid Game is quite good. So... What's the difference between American Vandal and Squid Game? I would say it's a TV show that is slightly above the x-axis, slightly above zero. So Squid Game equals American Vandal minus Ginny and Georgia. Oh, God. Right? I forgot we talked about that. Speaking of the Netflix Forgot about Ginny and Georgia. Christ. Yeah. 
It's we've watched a lot of dumb TV for this podcast. Yeah, I, I I think this is this is where me watching only two episodes of a series plays. It's like at least I've devoted less <laughs> real estate to that. But wait, you're gonna you think you're gonna finish this one, right? You think you're gonna make it through all nine episodes? Yeah, I could definitely do that. Sure, I think there's right. a, there's a way to do that. And you know, I'm I, a, I think it's I think it's I think it's worth it. I, I think, think I think the clear and I I tipped my hand before, but I really think that the clear uh, uh, correlative of this is Black Mirror. And it's like yes, you, it's true. Black Mirror was specifically assessing Charlie Brooker, and that one was writing scripts about uh, five five years in the future, five minutes in the future, but it was about tech and how it might eat us alive a little bit. But I mean, the tone, I mean, there, you know, like there were so many visuals, interior visuals and things that look like the visuals of this show in terms of the, the screens, the uh, sets, the fact that people were competing against each other in, in really inhumane circumstances. Black Mirror had a lot of that. And so like Charlie Brooker was looking to you know, mortify the human flesh, mortify the human soul, sh- show how people denigrate one another, diminish the value of human life. And this show really does that. It just, it almost does it about something different. It makes it cold, hard economics. And, you know, maybe in some way that, you know, this, this, nothing about this show is about social media where there was a lot of that in, in Black Mirror. And it's amazing that this almost doesn't touch on interpersonal communications. This doesn't, it, it's not consciously mentioning Facebook. It's not consciously mentioning Insta. In fact, everyone's yeah. in, everyone's inside a hermetic bubble, which actually yeah. is, is Well, kind that's of, why I say this show would be very similar if it were made in the 80s. The Max Headroom equivalent, if this was in the 80s, it would play out much, yeah. as, much the same well, way. You haven't gotten to it yet, but there's one, one plot point that I really enjoy that very much involves a, a mobile phone. Uh, but you know, if you were if you were if you were setting this in the '80s, you could write around that. But um, yeah, it's it it is in the modern day, but that's not the technology isn't key to it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Black Mirror is a good. Com- I love Black Mirror, but Black Mirror, as much as I love it, was inconsistent. You know, some oh, episodes I thought were outstanding. Was, yeah. Some episodes I thought were eh. I mean, that's probably what I, I like the variety of it. So in some ways that's a strength. But yeah, I think this has to, on average, be better than Black Mirror. Black Mirror had highs and lows. The highs were better than this, but the lows were obviously worse than this. So maybe maybe if you average out Black Mirror, they're the same. I don't know. Uh, all right. So yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, good topic. Uh, Bill, how can people learn more well, you you always wrap it up, but one thing I don't think we hit enough is please, please, please give us a review on iTunes or whatever the aggregator you use is. The reviews help people find us. Real important. Plus, we only do this for your love, so let us know you love us. Please review us. Say hello. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell complete strangers. That's true. And, uh, and, and I was going to say, and tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, yes. Noah and Bill, don't get it at gmail.com. And everything Noah just said is absolutely correct. Everything I just said, yes. Uh, everything. Going back to for the last three years, last four years, listen to everything he said and, and live by those uh, tenets. Uh, yes, so if, if you, I, am, I am the oracle, yes. If you'd like to find me, I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. My video content is on youtube.com slash amcaesar. Now Noah says these things. I do say these things. Uh, I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. America's finest source for corporate and private live trivia events, virtually and in person. Uh, in person's coming back. Holidays are booking up. So let us know. BigQuizThing.com. Book today your private trivia spectacular of your dreams. All right, everybody. We're just a heartbeat away from the 200th episode. So until next week, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2021.